Well, good morning, Bayshore. Good to see everybody. Everybody's got your mask on and all that. How about that? I was thinking this morning, you know, when COVID's all over and everything changes and we don't have to wear a mask. I'm just going to keep wearing mine. I like mine so much. How, how many would go with me on that? Nobody, right? How many ready to get rid of these masks one of these days? So we'll be happy one of these days. Good to see you guys. We're so glad you're here. And hey, we don't you know, like get to greet each other very much, but uh, how about, you know, how about if you just like turn to somebody around you and just give them a big wave right now and say, hey, good to see you today. And maybe give them a little presidential thumbs up, you know, just let them know you're good to see, glad to see everybody. Hey, we want to welcome everybody online and on Facebook that's watching right now. And I want to welcome our Fenwick Island campus. We love you guys. Let's give Fenwick Island a big hand. It's great to have you with us right now. We're in our second week in this series called Blink. And this series is about the idea of Blink is how fast life goes. I don't know if you know this, but a blink takes one-tenth of a second. One-tenth of a second, a hundred milliseconds it takes for a blink. When one tick of the clock takes place, you can blink three times. So we talked last week about how life things seems like a blink. It goes so fast. And we talked about how last week, you know, it's been 19 years since 9-11. And most of us like, oh, 19 years. That gives a really good feel for how life moves along. So last week we talked about the importance if life is short, then everything we do matters. Every choice goes up in value because we have a finite amount of time here on this planet. So we talked about that, and if you didn't get to hear that message, you want to go back and listen to that. And uh, today we're going to be talking about, if life is short, why are we here? If life is short, why are we here? We think about the parameters of life, you know, 70, 80, 90 years, whatever it is for all of us. If life is short, why are we here? I remember when uh, I was in Bible college in, uh, back in late 70s, early 80s, uh, Kira and I lived in Pensacola, Florida. We went to this little Bible college. That was my first kind of level of education and went to this Bible college. And there was a little prayer chapel on the campus there. And one of my friends, a guy named Bill uh, Clawson, was getting married. And this little chapel was like basically a prayer chapel, no seats in it, just like, like, a, little, uh, uh, like a little bench around the outside of this oval chapel. And there's about 20 of 25 of us sitting in there waiting for the wedding to begin. It was one of those awkward moments. Nobody was saying anything. There was no music playing. And our senior pastor, Ken Summerall, was uh, sitting there. He wasn't performing the wedding, but he was there. And we're all sitting there in that awkward silence. And he said, does anybody know why we're here? And it was just one of those light moments. It was really funny, uh, and it was sort of a cool thing that he said. And, and I, I wonder if you know why you're here. Why are we on this planet? Why are we here for this short amount of time? You know, it would be a terrible thing to go through the blink of our life and really not know why we are here. The Bible says in um, Psalm 92, we said this verse last week is sort of the theme verse for our uh, series teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom you can't be wise if you don't understand the finite nature of your life and when you get that when you understand my life is short then you begin to become wise and so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom say it with me teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom so that's the first step 
in understanding life. Understanding life is finite. So we're going to read a psalm today to help us understand why we are here. If we're here for a short time, why are we here? And look at that. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. Wonderful psalm. Uh, It says this in Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. I love that psalm. That psalm has some key words, I think, that help us to get our arms around why we are here. Why are we here? First thing, the reason we're here is to become righteous. To become righteous. It says the, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. You know, the most important thing that we are supposed to achieve on this planet, and this, if we miss this piece, if we miss this piece, we miss the most important part of why we're here. The righteous will flourish. We need to become righteous. And you say, well, Pastor Danny, that is really, really scary because I'm anything but righteous. I'm imperfect. I've, I stumble and I fall. The Bible says in James, we all stumble in many ways. And maybe, maybe, maybe you have a special awareness this week of your humanness, that you, have, you, you stumbled and you haven't been perfect. But the Bible says the righteous will flourish. So what does it mean that we're to be righteous. And if the most important thing in life is while we're here that we become righteous, what does that actually mean? It means, first of all, that the righteousness that we have to achieve on this planet is that we need to achieve righteousness that God gives us as a gift. We have to receive the righteousness that comes from God himself. Now, there's some really, really great verses uh, about righteousness. And a lot of times we don't understand what it means to be righteous. But there's two types of righteousness, two types of righteousness. There's what is called imputed righteousness. That's righteousness that's given to us as a gift. Then there's practical righteousness, or what we may call sanctification, where the righteousness that God gives us as a gift is worked out in our life, and so we become more and more like Jesus. Here's what it says in uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, listen to this. God made him, speaking of Jesus, God made him who had no sin. Jesus had no sin. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that, we, that, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. Everybody say the righteousness of God. How righteous do you have to be to go to heaven and have right relationship with the Lord? How righteous do you have to be? Here it is. You have to be as righteous as God. You have to be righteous as God. If you're not as righteous as God, if God is this righteous and you're this righteous, you're in trouble. You have to be as righteous as God. Look at that phrase it says in 2 Corinthians, that we might become the righteousness of God. We have to, our righteousness has to come on parallel with the Lord himself. So when we put our faith in Jesus, the faith we put in Jesus, we become righteous in the sight of God. And so when I put my faith in Jesus uh, and made myself a follower of Jesus, when I put my faith in Jesus, at that moment, as a 12-year-old little boy that told lies and had little things going on in his life, and I was very, very much unrighteous even as a 12-year-old, that 
unrighteousness that I had was replaced by the righteousness of Jesus, I became as righteous as God at that moment. So you have to become, and all of us have to become righteous. So the main thing on this planet, before you leave this planet, uh, people that are living in our community, people that are living in Fenwick Island, Lewis, Rehoboth, Laurel, Seaford, Georgetown, all of those people that live in our community, the most important thing is that they become righteous, that they become righteous, and we need to become righteous. So uh, I have received the righteousness of God that's in Christ Jesus. So that's an incredible thing. So the first reason we're here is to become righteous, is to become righteous, that we may become the righteousness of God. Here's what Romans 1.17 says. Romans 1.17 says, For the gospel, for in the gospel, which is good news, Romans 1.17, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness of God is revealed. Do you see that phrase? It's the same phrase that's in 2 Corinthians 5.21, the righteousness of God. Then it says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is from faith from first to last. So how righteous am I this morning? How righteous am I? How righteous are you? How many here in this audience today and how many in Fenwick Island have put your faith in Jesus? Just raise your hand right now. Raise it up real high. I put my faith in Jesus. You've been coming to Bayshore 10 years, 15 years. You put your faith in Jesus. How righteous are you? You're not, you're not pretty good. You're not you know, fairly righteous. You are as righteous as God himself. Now, just imagine you're having financial problems. You know, uh, most of you aren't. You're doing well. I, mean, I know when Karen and I first got married, we didn't have a lot of money. I ran out of gas one time. I mean, I, we, had, uh, we didn't have a lot of money. Just say you're struggling financially. You can't pay your rent. You can't pay the, you know, the light bill. You're having some financial problems. And maybe at some time in your history you had that. And just imagine that Bill Gates, the Bill Gates, takes all of his assets and he puts all of his assets into your checking account. How many know problem is solved? Everybody say problem solved. Now that's, you know, you're as rich as Bill Gates at that point. You're as rich as Bill Gates. So when Jesus died on the cross and you put your faith in Jesus, you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus made the deposit into your life of righteousness and you're as righteous as God. So, the right, so when you look at the New Testament, the New Testament teaches that we have become as righteous as God himself. So we've got to become the righteousness of God. So there's the two types of righteousness are imputed righteousness. I've been given that. Right now, I'm not guilty. Uh, did you say, you say, Pastor Dan, did you, did you, were you perfect this week? You know, I, I didn't have a bad week, but I wasn't perfect. I can tell you that. I wasn't perfect this week. But when God looks at me, my status in God is I am as righteous as God. I'm as righteous as God. And the other type of righteousness is called uh, practical righteousness, sanctification. And that's why it says in Philippians, uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out what God has put in you. Work out righteousness. For the rest of our life, I'm already not, un, uh, not guilty before the Lord. I'm totally righteous. The rest of my life, while I'm on this planet, the righteousness of God that God has given me is being worked out into my life so I become a righteous person in practice. So I live godly and I live in a holy way. Uh, I already have that status, but God's plan is for that to be worked out in me. Now, uh, let me just say this to you. This is kind of interesting. Maybe you've not thought about this this way. But I don't know if you know this, but you are right now a saint. You're a saint. 
You know, the Catholic has a system, you know, if you, if you do, what was it, three miracles you have to do and, and all of that, and you can become a saint in the Catholic Church. Um, but, you know, do you know that the Bible says that you're a saint already because God has established his righteous? righteous? Here's what Paul said to the, uh, the church at Ephesus when he wrote him a little letter. Here's how he starts the letter. Paul, uh, I'm going to read this in the, uh, uh, the uh, English Standard Version. Here's what Paul said. Uh, he's writing the church at Ephesus. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. To the saints. He calls them saints. Same thing, the church of Philippi. He writes to them in Philippi. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to the saints in Christ Jesus. So say this with me. I am a saint right now. And you're looking at your spouse. He ain't no saint, I can tell you that. I know a lot more about him than you do. He is not a saint. Uh, but the Bible says that you're a saint. Pastor Jack Hayford out in Van Nuys, California, I got to do a trip to Israel with Pastor Jeff, Jack. And um, Pastor Jack one time was teaching this principle about us already being saints. And he had everybody turn around and say, I want you to say to your neighbor, uh, uh, I am Saint Jack or I am Saint Sally. And, and, and just turn around. He was trying to enforce that. And one guy would not do it. He just would not do it. And they, they, the guy next to him said, why won't you do that? He said, my name is Bernard. I just can't do it. <laughs> Say this with me. I am already a saint right now. Why am I on this planet? To become righteous. I am righteous in God's sight. And that righteousness is worked out in my life through reading the Word, coming to church, and all that. So that's very, very important. So that's the first thing, to become righteous. And then the righteous will flourish, it says in Psalm 92, uh, verse 12. The righteous will flourish. That means to burst forth with life uh, like a palm tree. They'll grow like cedar. Now, it says that we're, we're like palm trees. This is why we're on the earth. This is why we're here for this short time. We're like palm trees and cedar trees. Palm trees, there's 2,500 different types of palm trees. And palm trees, what they're known for, of course, is their uprightness and their beauty. Uh, and the wonderful thing about a palm tree is it produces all different types of fruit. Now, because there's 2,500 different types of palm trees, there's some palm trees that produce uh, this acacia berry, which is a very, uh, really potent health food now. Uh, some of them produce dates. Some of them produce coconuts. Part of what we are on this planet for is we're like palm trees to produce fruit. We're to be fruitful in our life, and we're to have uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And why, is, why are we here? God is working out the righteousness that he gave us, and it's being worked Worked out in the fruit of the Spirit, it says in uh, uh, Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy, patience, all that stuff, all the wonderful virtues. So we're like a palm tree to produce fruit. God is changing and transforming you as a human being while you're on the planet. And when Jesus comes or you die, that process will be accelerated and you'll be in absolute uh, harmony with the Lord and you'll be uh, beautiful and you'll be absolutely in the character of Jesus in every aspect of your life. So we're here for the righteousness to be worked out of us and for us to be fruitful like a palm tree, like a palm tree. That's what we're, what we're supposed to be. Now it says here, that the righteous will flourish in the courts of the Lord. The righteous uh, will flourish like a palm tree and grow, that's a great word, will grow 
like a cedar of Lebanon. We're here to grow on this planet. We're to grow in our faith. We're to grow and become more and more like Jesus. Some people think the point is to get saved and to get to heaven. They, they think that's the point, you know. So it's like, it's like uh, fire insurance for people. I'm going to get saved, put my faith in Jesus, and I'm going to like sit at the bus stop with my ticket waiting for heaven and waiting for the Lord to come. That is not why we're here. We're not here to wait. We're here to be transformed. We're here to be changed by God's Holy Spirit working in our life. And so grow is a key word. We are here to grow. We're here to grow like a palm tree, like a uh, cedar tree. We're to grow. And it says, we are planted in the house of the Lord. So how are we going to grow? How are we going to flourish? How are we going to bud forth with wonderful life? How are we going to do that? It says the righteous will flourish because they're planted in the house of the Lord and they'll flourish in the courts of our God. There is no growth, no transformation without being planted in the house of the Lord. See, people think, there's, we have this really big thing going on right now that church is maybe optional for people. And that maybe, maybe, you know, we don't really know go to church. We believe in Jesus theoretically and we all that. But, you know, we don't really need maybe to go to church. And many people right now, we have so many people online that are growing in their faith because that is where they're connecting. They're in a spiritual community right now that's very important. But one of the things we need to know is there is no, there is no growth without Christian and spiritual community. There is no growth without spiritual and Christian community. And it says, notice what it says here. They will, they will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And verse 13, planted. Everybody say planted. Planted in the house of the Lord. So how are we going to grow? We're going to grow by being planted in the house of the Lord. We're planted. We put our roots down in a local church. We put our roots down in a place where God's called us. And if it's this church, if Bayshore is your church, put your roots down. If Bayshore is not your church, find a church and put your roots down. When you put your roots down, plant it in the house of the Lord, then you can grow. There is no growth without being planted. Say it with me. There is no growth without being planted. When Karen and I built our house about 18 years ago, um, this lady in the church, she owned a nursery down in Ocean View, and she said, hey, we just love you guys. You're the most wonderful pastor, and we just love you, and you're wonderful, and we love your shiny head. We just love you, and we're just, we'd like to give you something for your house. And so they gave us a $1,000 check to uh, buy some stuff for our yard for landscape. And I thought, $1,000, $1,000, I'm absolutely rich. I'm going to be able to absolutely just like landscape the whole front of the house. I got $1,000. I went there to the nursery. Boy, was I, was I misinformed. <laughs> Came back with two potted plants. I mean, <laughs> did you know how expensive? So all we could afford was two trees. And we bought these uh, oak trees. They were golden oak trees. And they were a little taller than me, maybe seven feet tall. And the guy delivered them, and he helped plant them. And uh, they're in our backyard, and I love these oak trees. Here's a picture of these oak trees. We have, uh, here's one of them. It's got a swing that my grandkids kids swing on. And my, uh, this is Willow's swing, and then all the grandkids swing on it now. And, and this tree has been there for 18 years. And there's big, uh, big roots that go out, and it's, it has wonderful shade. Every once in a while, you know, you ride by my house, I take my little... Uh, 
you know, chair out there. I'll sit on the, under the shade and take a, tr- uh, take a nap. And uh, it's just such a beautiful tree. And we have one here, and there's one on the other side of the yard. And these trees are big and flourishing. They're flourishing because they've been planted in one place, and they put their roots down, and they're growing. And you've got to, you can't be, uh, if you're, you can't be a person that's not planted and grow. It just does not happen. I can tell you, I've been watching people in the church for 40 years and I grew up in church. And I can tell you, the people that put their roots down, people that say, hey, listen, this isn't a, church, a perfect church and it's not a perfect pastor and they're not perfect deacons and they're not perfect singers in the church. But I tell you what, this is the church I belong to. I'm putting my roots down. I'm going to study the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to serve. Those are the people that grow in their faith. There is no growth without being planted. It says the Righteous will flourish because they're planted in the house of the Lord. And you this morning, I'm just, I'm so proud of you guys. And everybody at Fenwick Island and people that are online that are new to Bayshore and you're beginning to plant. You're not listening every once in a while. You're listening every week online. And you're sitting there with your family and you're getting involved in a small group. It's very, very essential that you put your roots down. And uh, there's no growth without being planted in the house of the Lord. And I love, I love the local church. Karen and I, were, we prayed in my little office at home this morning before we came, and she came in and took my hands, and she said, Lord, help him make sense today, and she prayed for me, and she asked the Lord to minister to me. And we just were so excited to come to church because we love church. We love Jesus, and we love his people. We want, we're looking forward to seeing you guys, and you guys are here. And we saw some of you in the parking lot, and we're just so glad you're here because we know that flourishing and growing is connected to being planted. So this week, I took my dad out to dinner. Uh, I take him out every week. I talked about my dad quite a bit. So we were doing our, our weekly dinner, and uh, he likes to go to Stargate and Seaford, and I was like wanting to go somewhere else, but you know, I you know, go to Stargates. So we went to Stargates, and we went into Stargates, and I ordered some pancakes and, and, some, uh, and some eggs and some sausage, and, and we're sitting there, and I'm talking to my dad, and we're catching up, and and, uh, and there's this guy comes in, this older guy comes in, and he's, he's bent down, and he's got a hat on, and he's kind of got a walker, and he's got a guy walking behind him, and he's walking beside us. And I looked at him, I thought, I think I know that guy. And he had his hat on, had his mask on, and tell, you know, everybody's you know, hard to recognize with the mask and all that. So he went and sat down with this other older guy, and I said to my dad, I said, is that George? Is that George for you? Oh, yeah, that's George. And George goes to my dad's church, and so... Uh, and they started, my dad started talking to George. They started making jokes and, you know, saying things. And they were just kind of laughing. And George is smiling. And he's just laughing. This is the most positive, positive, upbeat person I probably have ever met in my whole life is George Friedel. Just a really, really positive guy. And, uh, and when, when I go to preach at my dad's church, I preach there three or four times a year, for, I've done that for 20 years, 30 years. George Friedel is always on the second or third pew. They have pews. Second or third pew every time. I've never preached there when that man's not there. He's always there. And he's there, and he's smiling, and he's happy, and he's joyful, and he's solid, and he doesn't get rattled. He's flourishing. And George is 95 years old, and he hasn't had it easy because a few years ago, his wife had been in the nursing home for about seven, eight years with 
Alzheimer's, and she died. And then his son, who was a sort of a superstar in the church, he was uh, on TV all the time in New York City. I was on his program once, and his son was a wonderful leader, Dewey Friedel, and uh, Dewey unexpectedly died a couple years ago. Well, sat down in his chair and just died. And, and, and George adored his son. And I thought, what's going to happen to George? I mean, it's going to devastate him. And I saw him a couple months after, and he was grieving. But I tell you what, he was solid. You know where I saw him after his son died? I saw him in the parking lot on the way to church. He was on his way to church, and he sat there every Sunday. And I've never preached that church, and he's not there. And he's flourishing because he's in the courts of the Lord, and he's in the house of the Lord. He's planted in the house of the Lord, and he's grown, and he's become a godly man. Here's a picture of, of George Friedel. I took a, got a picture of him. And I'm telling you, he's just such a godly man, and I want to be like George Friedel. And what's his secret? 95 years old, been through hell and back, been through the fire, been through difficulty, but he's planted in the house of the Lord, and he's flourishing. He's flourishing. If you want to become a, a woman of God, you want to become a man of God, you want to become somebody that flourishes and goes through the storms, you need to be planted in the house of the Lord. You need to be planted in the courts of the Lord. And if you do that year after year after year, you may go through some adversity, but I can tell you, you're going to be bearing fruit. You're going to have peace and you're going to have the joy of the Lord. And the Lord's going to get you through whatever you go through in life because the righteous will flourish because they're planted in the house of the Lord. Can you say a big amen? A lot of people are wondering, you know, hey, what's going to happen? Is COVID going to, like, uh, eliminate church? And people are, of course, processing and trying to get their way back, and people are doing what they need to do. And we certainly, certainly understand those processes. I run into Bayshore people all over the community, and uh, everybody's processing, trying to figure out the risk factor and all that. But I tell you what, we're not going anywhere. People are going to put their roots down or are putting the roots down. And some of you, I see every Sunday. I see you walk across that parking lot, and I'm, I know I can stand out there in the parking lot, and I know Frank and Jane are going to walk across there. I mean, I know if, if they're, they're not there, they, something bad wrong with their car. They couldn't get here or something. And they're flourishing in the house of the Lord. Flourishing has to do with being planted and bearing fruit. You'll be like, the Bible says, you'll be like a cedar tree. You'll be like a cedar tree. You'll be like a palm tree. You'll be bearing fruit, and you have planted your roots in the house of the Lord. One other thing about this before we end today. I have no idea how long I've been preaching, but here we go. Here's another one here, and we'll end with this one today. They will bear fruit in old age, like old George, bearing fruit. And you know another thing about George? Let me just say this to you. You know, the the 95-year-old George Friedel sitting on the third row every time I'm preaching. Let me tell you something. He always has his Bible. He's got a Bible that you got wheels on it. I mean, it is a, it is a big Bible. One of them King, you know, I don't think it's King James. I don't know what he reads, but it's a big Bible. And it, you can tell it's all wore out. It's got the page. It's all kind of bent out. And somebody said one time, you know, a wore-out Bible or a falling-apart Bible usually belongs to somebody that isn't falling apart. And George always loves the word. And he asked me, Pastor Danny, how's, how's, how's Bayshore doing? How's the church doing? 
You know, he's been through all this adversity. He's not depressed. He's not down this. And we do get depressed, and people struggle. There's no condemnation there. But I'm just telling you, George, George is like a, a palm tree. He just, he's, he's solid. He's like a cedar tree. Cedar tree is known for its strength. He's like a cedar tree. Flourishing in the house of the Lord. How many love Jesus, and how many love his church? Would you say a big amen? St. Augustine said... If God is our father, then the church is our mother. We love our church. We love the church. We're part of the church. Those of you at Femic Island, there's new people. I met a, a new family uh, last week from Femic Island. It was so good to meet you guys. You were here last Sunday. They wanted to come see me in 3D, so they came last week, and they were here at this campus, and there's new people coming to Femic Island, and people that have been there for, for years and years, Nick and Judy, and uh, all of you guys that have been faithful, uh, Nick Chumbrus right now at, uh, uh, and Judy at uh, Femic Island. Nick has been serving the Lord and coming here for over 20 years, and he's growing in his faith. He's solid. Just say to me, there is no growth without being planted in the house of the Lord. So I had this guy come one time. I was preaching. I was preaching through Acts. You remember when I preached through Acts like three years, just preached through Acts. And there was this guy that came, and it was, I think we're having a baby dedication. He came, and he came, and uh, and uh, I was preaching on Lydia, and I said how Lydia, in Acts chapter 16, how Lydia, when she heard Paul preach, she put her faith in Jesus, her and her household, and she, and she persuaded Paul and Silas to come to her house, and she would not take no. She said, come to the house. And, I, and the question in the sermon was, why was she so persuasive to get uh, Paul and Silas and his team to come to her house? And I said, it's because she had been converted, and when she was converted, she had an, an, an insatiable hunger to know more about Jesus, and she wanted to learn from Paul, and that's why she was so persistent to have Paul come to the church, come to her house and stay with her house. And I said, when you get genuinely converted, you have a spiritual hunger. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. When you are genuinely converted, and you have a spiritual hunger, and you'll want to come to church, and I made this controversial statement. I said, you don't have to go to church to be saved, but if you're saved, you'll probably want to come to church. And boy, that just, that bothered that guy. He was a business guy in our community, and I, I knew him, and he was, so he made an appointment with me to come see me, and he came to see me, and he said, you know, hey, well, you know, I, I, we talked a little bit, and I said, uh, he said, well, and I was real pastoral to him, loving on him, and I asked him about his family, and you know, I, just, I, I knew something was coming. And he said, I just have to take issue about that point about, you know, coming to church and you need to go to church. And he said, well, you know, every once in a while, every, you know, couple months, I'll get inspired. I want to go hear this preacher. And it's like a restaurant. He kind of like, oh, I got a hankering to hear this preacher. And he'll go hear that preacher and he won't go to church for another two months and all that. And he said, I just don't think you need to go to church regularly and be rooted in a church to be a Christian. And I said, well, I understand, you know, your line of thinking there. But I said to him, I said, the way you're describing your Christian life, there is nothing remotely close to that in the New Testament. There is no such thing as that. People belong to the church at Ephesus. They belong to the church at Philippi. They belong to the church of Colossae. There is nothing remotely in the New Testament describing your style of Christian living because Christian life is based on people putting their roots in a church and loving Jesus and growing and being in a small group and becoming people that serve together and grow in their faith because they're planted in the house of the Lord. And I said, furthermore... Heaven is going to be so weird to you. 
because heaven is all about community. And it's a great multitude before the throne of God. It's not one person by themselves worshiping the Lord. It's a community. So, anyhow, that was how that meeting went. So we had a little prayer, and that was it. I just figure I'm old enough. I'm just going to say what I think in a loving way. I'm just going to say, well, I'm not trying to run. I'm not running for anything, so I'm just going to say it. <laughs> and finally, it says they will bear fruit in old age, and they will stay fresh and green. The righteous will stay fresh and green. You know what that means? Some translations say that they will be full of sap. I don't know what you're full of, but they will be full of sap. They'll be full of sap. And here's the thing about sap in a tree. Sap in a tree makes it bendable and flexible. It can bend with the winds. It can be flexible. And the thing about getting older... If you're getting a little older, the thing about getting older is we lose our flexibility. We become rigid. We become things aren't our way and we get upset. And you know, the righteous become more flexible. They become full of patience. They can bend with the changes of life. I was in, a, I was in BJ's yesterday. Uh, I went there around quarter to 10 or so, and uh, I, I was getting some sunglass clips for my glasses, and, and uh, so I did, that's all I wanted to get, you know, I went in there to get that, and, and then I saw the line, good Lord, the line, it was like, here's the line, here's the line at BJ's, uh, this is the, this is the retchers up here, and I'm back here behind this lady, uh, th- this is the Millsborough address, where I was standing was the Georgetown address, I mean, <laughs> I was in a different zip code, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm like, what in the world? And I got this one little thing, you know, and I'm thinking, ah, what, you know, hey, I knew I was preaching on this side. Lord, help me to be patient. I need to be patient here. And this guy comes this, with a cart, and this older guy, he was probably 68, 69, 70. He came with it. He had one of those flatbed carts. Here's a picture of the cart. He had one of these flatbed carts, and he comes back there, and he's like, I can't believe it. Cannot believe it. Second time I've been here today. Got to stand in this line. I was thinking, why you were here two times? But anyhow, I can't believe it. I don't know the man. I don't want to hear your story. But he's, he felt like I was the one that needed to know. And he's telling me all about how upset he was. And I'm just thinking, you know, well, that, that's just so typical of us Westerners. You know what I thought? I thought, you know, you know what the big story is here? This store is filled with stuff. It's filled with everything. If, you don't, if the BJs don't have it, you don't need it. And I've been to third world countries where there's nothing on the shelves. And here we are in a country that's filled with produce and good things. And if you're grateful that we live in an America of abundance, it is a good thing. Can you say a big amen? I know we're a little scared about the toilet paper for a while, but we're all good now, aren't we? If you need any, we got some. I'm telling you, we're in good shape. But the righteous will be fresh and green. They'll be like sap. George Friedel going through all the stuff. And, and the, the more you walk with Jesus, and the longer you're filled with the Holy Spirit, 
the more the Spirit saturates you, the more flexible you become with life. You don't get all bent out of shape with stuff. Uh, Henry Cloud says that a, an immature person uh, makes sure that life meets their demands. I think we have a quote somewhere. An immature, immature people expect life to meet their demands. Mature people meet the demands of life. Immature people expect life to meet their demands. Mature people meet the demands of life. When you grow in Jesus, you're like a, a palm tree full of sap. You can bend. Listen, say this with me. Life will not always go my way. Never has, isn't now, never will. You need Jesus to just fill you so you can bend with life. I went to Jamaica a number of years ago to, uh, to speak at a, a Youth for the Mission conference, and it was like in February, and I was given the invitation, do you want to go to Jamaica? I said, let me pray about it. Okay, I'll go. And uh, <laughs> felt like God wanted me to go on that trip. So I went, and I went to Jamaica, and it was beautiful, and the camp that I spoke at was a... Uh, camp that had all these beautiful palm trees just straight as an arrow. And, I, and I, I said to the guy that was running the camp, the administrator, I said, these trees are amazing. They were everywhere. They were just straight as an arrow and beautiful and all kinds of fruit on them. And I said, how do these trees survive the, uh, how do they survive the tropical storms that come through Jamaica? And he said, these trees are absolutely amazing. They're filled with sap. And they, when the when the, when the wind and the tropical storm hits them, they bend so much the tops of the trees can touch the ground and then they spring back. The righteous are full of sap and the Lord can give, just think about these times, everybody at Femic Island, everybody online, think about these times we're in. We're in these horrific times right now and it's getting on our nerves. Now let me tell you something, the Holy Spirit can fill you with such grace and such power that you're going to be full of sap and that you can bend to meet the demands of life. And he can take care of you. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now and ask the Lord to bless you. He's with you this morning. Whatever you're going through, you're righteous and you're going to flourish and you're going to be planted in the house of the Lord. Thank you, God, for the spirit of the Lord that's moving in our church, that's moving in our community. We thank you, Lord, that these are not times that are beyond your grace. But, Lord, your grace is sufficient for us. And that we're going to grow. We're here to grow. We're here to become righteous. We're here to become like Jesus. Nothing else, really, at the end of the day matters. The objective and the agenda of your kingdom is our growth and our righteousness. That's why we're here. Nothing else. And we thank you that we're becoming more and more like Jesus as we walk through life. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name.